Right on. Give me a shout. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, awesome. seven, eight, nine. I'll try. I'll try to remember to lean in. I don't uh, like wearing headphones because then you kind of you, you end up sounding like NPR. Well, and that's you know? the thing. Like, it's funny. I started doing this, and Xander sat across from me, and he's yeah. helping me do the sound check. And the first thing I despised was my own voice. Oh no, nobody likes their own voice. And, yeah. and that's especially like especially when it's playing back at the same time. I know, and it's like I looked into this thing. It's like bass slide over. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. We're not all going to be Morgan Freeman, where we, no, everyone wants us to narrate every single movie or whatever. But yeah, just I titty enjoy. sprinkles. Yeah, you ever see that meme? Yeah, <laughs> and that was the thing when I sat down with Jason. He's got, and he's. It's funny the people that I have sat down with they understand with like so jason he's been interviewed a ton yeah he so sat he down get, at the perfect distance there. kendall sits down at the perfect distance and like now you it's so funny <laughs> and like but it's just i don't it's weird i didn't know what i was doing but i also didn't want it to look low budge totally yeah and then it's like do i need like but I you was, got you've got the you got the uh, uh what are they not mouth guards wind guards wind screens I, which see, you I need call, which I don't have I gotta get you know, see and I call setup. them the spit guards because spit I, guards yeah I assume it's just a <laughs> to stop yeah it's for like the popping peas and uh, yeah I like I didn't have it for the first time it sounded all right but it's like popping peas yeah and it's like might as yeah. well yeah and you notice the difference once you have them yeah and it's such so. a it's like a, it's one of those uh, it's mind like. It's a no-brainer kind of purchase. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, of course I need that. Yeah. And like we were talking before I hit record, it's like, what year did you say? 06, 08? You were For trying- what? Oh, it was right in 2005 as soon as iTunes came out with the podcast uh, aspect of it. I was like, I got to do this. And yeah, like YouTube didn't even exist then. I think they're I 07? So. Something like that, yeah. And so, yeah, like I'm like... I want a podcast. Let's look up what I need. And it's like these programs come up like voice meters, a free auditing pro or editing program. Yeah. And then just, we had none of that. Yeah. I yeah. used, I recorded it in, no, I still use GarageBand. This had GarageBand in 05. So you were on Mac. I was on a Mac. So I used GarageBand and, uh, I had like a Libsyn account to upload the, the thing to, I don't know what I would use now. GarageBand is still, the Still number the one recommended thing. Marin uses it. Um, I remember the film spotting, like the one of the few film, uh, one of the few podcasts I still listen to from 05 when I was still using just this crappy Podcatcher uh, app before iTunes came out with it was Film Spotting. These two guys in Chicago that started a film review podcast, and um, they were used. I met them at a meetup in Toronto, and they were. I'm like, "What do you record on?" He's like, "You want to know what I record on?" Adobe Premiere. And this is like in 2007. I'm like, Adobe Premiere was like the worst thing you could possibly use, but it's just what he had because his job, he'd do like some multimedia stuff for work. And he ended up on the side just recording it. And now he records out of, um, you know, uh, uh, NPR's place out of Chicago or something like that. Like he's using major studios now. But before it was just a laptop, a couple mics, and Adobe Premiere, which, and it worked. I'm like, well, it sounded fine, you know. So yeah, you must like, have known, known what you were doing. I remember when we were in Luther, it's like Dave Hosapple would tinker with like wave files and wave editing. And it's like yeah. one sound effect is like eight meg. But at the time, your hard drive is like 80 meg. So <laughs> this one edited sound is like one tenth of your hard totally. drive. Yeah. Because, oh, my God. Yeah, it's just it's a, yeah, It's just ridiculous what you can do now. You can do so much. We have so much technology. And yet we still can't find the time to yeah. be and knocking it was hard. our like, amazing product. And I threw myself like a thousand dollar budget. 
Nice. And so, like, I'm moderately bare bones laptop, hey? Like, it's not the greatest thing. I couldn't afford to go Mac if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like, um, Blue has an amazing line. Like, the Yetis yeah, are good, but it's like, then we both have to kind of, like, hover around one. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I'm like, and then it's like... Take turns on it. Yeah, because I had one friend, he did a, a podcast, and he said they just had a laptop, and they all sat around one of the snowballs and just kind of, like, took turns leaning oh, in. Oh, wow. Whatever. And I'm like, I still wanted to create a little more of, like, an atmosphere of just kind of sitting down chatting yeah, yeah. with a friend. But then I realized I needed a certain amount of distance. Otherwise, you get, what, feedback? Yeah, or you it's... Get, yeah. Or you'll hear each other. Like, yeah, yeah, you I wasn't, get that echo. I don't understand how, like, I don't know. I kind of just dove into this. I didn't understand the breadth of, like, where it will register on each microphone. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. so it was like, both at this t- both at this table, it's hearing on both mics. So then yeah. I'm like, drag the coffee table in here, create a little more distance, and yep. just kind of get it rolling. I don't know why I'm hung up on looking moderately professional or whatever. Well, it just, I mean, I think it's just, it helps feel right. I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. So it was neat though. Cause like the then, table fits in perfect here. And then whoever's visiting with me sits on the couch. Stick directly you across. Out. Totally. You're by my nerdy artwork. <laughs> no, it's awesome. It reminds me you know, of things that I used to have up before I had to be married. Not had to be married. I'm sorry. That sounded terrible. Before I had to look like a grown-up. Yeah, that went out the door. I don't know if there was ever a grown-up mode. Like, my ex-wife also very comic-driven. Like I said, she was yeah. a part of Valuable Comics. And then it's just... So there's pictures of, like, all three of us at a comic convention. And it's funny. It's the kid who's like, oh, do we have to be here? <laughs> and the mom and the dad are like... They're, they're nerding out and the kids... Yeah, yeah exactly. I and totally thought my son was going to be like that, too. I mean, he sort of nerds out on a few things. He likes to be interested in a few things I'm interested in, like... You know, old movies and Charlie Chaplin and certain comedies he loves. Um, but, I mean, he didn't get into... Uh, it w- when he was a really little kid, he was very uptight. And he seemed very conservative. And his you know, his parents were kind of nerdy. His mom's into Star Trek. And he just had no That's interest so in weird that it's He wanted to watch so. football with Grandpa. And uh, I was like, oh, my God. He's going to wear, like, khaki pants and be, you know, conservative. And he's going to be like my, my, my own little Alex B. Keaton, you know. But now he's he's loosening up. He's a little more... He's getting a little more out there. He loves David Bowie. And, uh, it's interesting watching the personality come out. But, yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's like you think, oh, great. You know, my kid thinks I'm a nerd because I'm into nerdy things. They're not going to be into it. And, yeah, so, like, he's dove into video gaming, like, hardcore lately, yeah. too. And so, like, that's something I can relate with. Like, right before you showed up, he'll get his mom to text because he lets his phone die, of course. And he'll be like, and she'll be like, he wants to play Terraria. Right. And so I love it. And like, it's weird. Like video games almost died because of the console. And yeah. now Steam has be like, I love it. You can go in there, buy games, and then Steam allows you to connect. So it's, I open up a world for him. Right. And then he just kind of brings his character in and then you put the headsets on and... And you go to it. Yeah. And so like, as a parent now with a 50-50 relationship, it's pretty sweet to have still almost like a hands-on relationship still when you're apart so that's good yeah as long as it's not yeah because it could be much different yeah you could just be like can't stand the sight of each other yeah yeah it's so yeah and that's the other thing like amicable split or whatever amicable amicable the english language but yeah it's neat and i love that we're in a time that we can do that because 
Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, video games I haven't gotten my kid into yet. Well, I shouldn't say I haven't got it. He's trying to get me into it because I've never had an interest. Is he like a Minecraft kid? Too? He loves like- Minecraft, but uh, I haven't really set him up with the proper um, gear. Like the most we can allow is like I'll give him like my old iPad or my old iPhone or something. and He'll play Pocket Edition. I saw you had wiped an old computer for him. Yeah, I had a really old my old lap uh, MacBook Pro that because I, I, I I work professionally in post production, so I I'm able to buy a decent Mac and I use it for work. But my old one. Uh, uh, sort of bit the bullet the battery was really slow or battery didn't last long it was really slow so i thought it was just it was sitting around it still worked fine but i just cleaned it off and gave it to him and he mostly uses it just to watch youtube videos <laughs> does the exact same thing he did on the like it does on the apple tv and the ipad we're a real mac family yeah. but uh, he, the most he could do with games was like pocket edition he couldn't get right in there and 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 change skins and do all these other sorts of things that kids could do if they were playing it on a tower but i didn't want to go and buy you know a a pc just for him to solely play video games on i'm going to let him maybe get into that when he's older but because i'm not i'm not a gamer yeah Yeah, the phone ones now are pretty good too about like they seem to have like one level platform now that's called the windows 10 version so okay and they're able to so yeah like if my son is on his upstairs his friends can actually just come in here yeah and if you're on the same wi-fi you all dive in the same world exactly and he's got a good friend that comes over every once in a while but they have to be on the same wi-fi this kid's in winnipeg now and he was always kind of hoping he could like play with him but we we always have to wait until he's in in town but luckily youtube is the new obsession now so i don't have to i don't have to try to educate myself on video games to keep up with them and keep them happy yeah, my only thing is, like you said, your son's eight, Sanders ten. Um, it's now coming to a point where I'm starting to have like originally it was like Dan TDM and like yeah. Pat and Jen, like right. the people that are playing Minecraft and you watch them play Minecraft or whatever. And um, now I'm starting to have to kind of like monitor a bit, peek it around the corner, and, like yeah. if I hear. We're pretty be... good at that. I mean, he, Dan TDM Mac was watching, and he was doing uh, what's his name, um, Iballistic Squid and uh, Stampy Cat and those guys. Um, and then it started leading him into those. Uh, there's those brothers that do weird, gross-out stuff. And then there was some video where these guys were teaching kids how to use knives. And right away, my wife heard it, and she's like, "What are you watching? Oh, he's just showing us how to use a knife." It's like I don't want you learning how to use a knife from a guy on YouTube. Yeah. So we made him turn it off and go to something gentle. Yeah. But he's but he's pretty easygoing. He'll go, "Okay, if you say so." Yeah. He doesn't fight me on it. But I, and I haven't come down and seen him watching anything really inappropriate because this kid, like I said, is a little bit conservative. If someone swears, he gets shocked. His face goes white and he turns it off and I'm like, "Oh, I can't watch that." You know? Okay, yeah, because. Xander's mom swears like a sailor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we swear like crazy around him, and he yeah. hates it. He hates it. Dad, yeah, don't a... say that. See, yeah, it took me a while because, like, that whole 10, 12 years in the restaurant industry, it's you're out in front of the public. So I had swearing turned off for a long time. And it's funny, my coworkers now that I'm in an office setting and every, and he's 10 now, I've kind of let the guard down, and they'll be like, Wow, you're you're swearing again. It's like oh. <laughs> it's the old you. <laughs> <laughs> We've let him back out. Um, has he ever, like? Is it above and beyond kind of Minecraft or anything? Like, has he YouTube? ever sought out Twitch? Uh, t- what is Twitch? That's that's the one where you watch people playing video games and it's live streaming. Oh no, we haven't gotten into that yet. But my friend, I think I've heard to... him mention it, but we haven't gotten into it yet. Yeah, it's insane. Like 
Um, are you familiar with the game Overwatch? No. It's by Blizzard. It's a first-person shooter game by Blizzard who made World of Warcraft. So gotcha. Swimming in money like Scrooge yeah. McDuck, and they made a first-person shooter. But instead of everyone being like Marine Grunt with a gun, every it's like twenty-some characters, but they're characters. Oh, okay. And so like one is a super intelligent monkey, and one is an old marine, and and they're each from a country. So like the Korean girl is in her little mech, and she's blowing bubbles and popping it. And they all paid voice. And it's the cinematics are amazing. Oh, wow. But like, when was it? I can't remember. I heard esports passed the NHL for value. Really? Yeah. Wow. Which, the entire NHL, like all of its. Like the NHL is worth less than, like, say, League e-sports. of Legends franchises. That's amazing. Yeah, and, people don't recognize the kind of money that's being made in that world. And former athletes are buying these teams. Like Shaq owns an esports team, and Rick Fox owns an esports team. Oh my god! And um, so now with this Overwatch, they created something called Overwatch League, and it's amazing. It just came out last month, but it's like there's a New York. I can't remember what the name is, but like the New York Knights and the Los Angeles right. like, and they're just kids on their PCs playing, and now they can trade. If they feel they need a better sniper on their team, they'll trade someone that is really good at getting in there and like being Holy the distraction. It's, it's amazing. It's a whole world. And in their first week, it's they an had economy. Mi- yeah, and in their first week, they had a million views. So like, yeah. And now I'm noticing there's, I guess YouTube had changed their policies too in the last little while that if you're swearing, you're not going to make the advertising money, and that's even pushing more. So people are live streaming now. Wow. And they're getting advertisers and like the advertiser will pay for the chair you're sitting in if you put their name on it. Right. It looks like a NASCAR driver. Totally, totally. And yeah. It, but it's And your... Twitch is the platform? Yeah. Yeah. And then Amazon bought them and really pumped some money into it, right? Sure. And you so wanna now... you wanna yeah, you want them to take on YouTube. Exactly. And so now your Amazon Prime buys you Twitch Prime, which cuts all the ads out. And then you can sit there, and so instead of like your son, instead of him watching a week old Dan TDM video, mm-hmm. now you can go in and watch live people playing the game that you want to see. Wow! And then Amazon added um, a talk show section, so now there's people that are moving their stuff and having so, like so it's turning into actual content or a yeah. variety of content. It's not just video games. And I think that's the Amazon push. Yeah. It went from like everyone with just like a camera on their computer and they would have themselves in the corner and it'd be them playing minecraft or like world of warcraft or like i think league of legends is still and i don't get those games at all yeah that it's it's not my sphere of influence but when you think in china they're filling a thirty thousand seat stadium and everyone's watching the screen really yeah watching other people play video games yeah it's insane like it's funny when i started this I branded myself as like this podcast and then I'm like there's a lot of people doing really well streaming video games and I and I'm a gamer yeah so now I went and got a really good rig upstairs and a good camera and all this stuff and the second monitor and it's called OBS and it's like it's probably low budge for like what you're used to dealing with for production stuff Mm -hmm. but like it allows me to like I own a green screen I can do picture in picture with the so it looks like I'm sitting in front of the game that I'm yeah, playing. Like, of course. And it didn't cost me a lot, but like now all these nerds are getting into like production quality streaming, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah, like that Overwatch League had a million viewers within a week. That's amazing. 
and like so that's where it's headed so that's the thing that worries me a little bit is 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 the is them catching up with the production value because you know i'd see stuff like that before and think you know i'm not interested in what they're doing content wise but even if i was interested in doing something i i feel like i could achieve a better quality than what they're doing but just just in terms of like professional training and experience mm-hmm. and maybe taste or just interest i think some some in the in the past they're just interested in earlier just just to capture themselves playing the game but then that gets old hat and then you figure out ways to make it better ways to make it look better and you realize you got a lot of catching up to do suddenly if you're not already putting content out there like if you thought just oh i'll, I'll do something i could do anything and make it look 10 percent better and it'll be better than that yeah and it's like well now now you got to work a little bit harder to do that because they're upping their game quality wise, and that's and some of them are that's insane. smart. Yeah, um, I'm waiting for the day that because a lot of them use like there's no copyright about it yet. Mm-hmm. Like so, a lot of them will have their Spotify going, so they'll be like, "Come in, chill out, watch me play this card game or whatever." But they have Spotify streaming Ooh. in the background when somebody be- donates to them. Pikachu jumps up on the screen, so like they got to be that yeah. Twitch will have to catch up to that because the, that's an issue. The, you know, well, like, the day's coming. Uh, like, yeah, if once there's to, enough eyes, they're going to realize. Look, you need like, to be paying to use these images, this content that's owned by somebody else. So I'm waiting for that hammer to drop. But like, YouTube is all over that. Yeah, like I uploaded a video, just a family-related thing. We did some video of old home movies that I had digitized, and uh, I used just music I pulled off the web. I'm thinking, well, I'm not sharing this out widely. It's just with family. And sure enough, as soon as I uploaded it, I think, was it, uh, did YouTube buy Shazam or Google buy Shazam? Somebody did. One of those. But they yeah. were using something similar to Shazam because within minutes, it had analyzed every single song that I put in this video and told me, you know, who owned the copyright, who would I have to thank to use it, you know, whether or not I was allowed to use it or not. And that happened within minutes of me uploading this video. Wow. Yeah. So did they pull it or did they edit out all sound? No, what they do, what they do is they tell you, you're, you're not allowed to monetize this video. Uh, you can have it you can have it play you're just not allowed to monetize it and if you did monetize it like let's say for some reason you know a hundred thousand people wanted to watch my family's home videos from the 70s um and i got that sort of hit and then an advertiser got interested and i started making money off that advertiser i would have to share that money with whoever owned the copyright of any material i was wondering that i had in there so it's like they don't tell you you can't put it up they just tell you you can't make any money off of it yeah because with Twitch, they store so many days worth of your videos and call them VODs, right? And they'll put them up, but then they have something that goes, and if it recognizes a song, then it blocks it out. Right. But when you're live streaming, like, the gloves are off, and it surprises me to a point. Like, Yeah, well, I think the only reason they haven't done anything is because they don't know what to do. Like, you how do I mean? you stop someone? How do you stop? Yeah, exactly. It's like someone walking down the street blaring a song out of their car stereo. You know what I mean? Like, they're, everyone can hear it. They're sharing it with everyone. Is that copyright infringement? Like, you know, it's, it, it, it becomes, gets into that sort of sticky realm of how, well, how you define this. Is it a performance? Is it a, like, are they selling this? And eventually they'll figure it out. But Yeah, because there's one guy that, like, I enjoyed, and he played a game that I play, and I legitimately wanted, he was, like, one of the world's best at it. But then all of a sudden later I realized he had an amazing playlist from Spotify. Yeah. And, like... It, well, it becomes an advertisement for Spotify, too. That, too. Yeah. And it, the 
like the widget or whatever that he mm-hmm. had on the screen, it was like Spotify playlist. So they are getting advertising out of it. So I don't know if that's why they've. They, that's the thing. They could be go, well, look what we're getting out of this. It's not worth ha- hassling this person. But I'm just amazed because, yeah, like a lot of them use gaming content to advertise themselves or copyright characters. Mm-hmm. Like one girl, if you donate to her, like a Pikachu comes up and like. So that's your money's worth right there, eh? Yeah. <laughs> that's the realm like the guy that i was supposed to chat with last night but he was sick he's like he was it was funny he was a bus boy at the state oh my god and the now state. he works at e-health and he stays up all night streaming playing video games wow and it's amazing because if you can prove that you're willing to put in like they have a formula on the screen that they tell you and they're like if you'll put in this many hours a month and get this many average viewers we partner with you right. then you can get people that'll pay to like subscribe to your channel and then you're making five bucks a month off of it twitch gets half oh wow 50 percent cut <laughs> but then all of a sudden people can just random donate to you and so money starts rolling in right so it's it's insane like that people, is insane. people are all becoming their own like personal yeah content creators i've got to i've got to get my head around that I'm, I'm i'm right now i'm still just trying to get my head around how youtube works because my son wants to be a youtuber and make little videos so my my thought was well okay let's do that but let's not just copy all of the things that he sees everybody else do on youtube let's mix it up so we try to add some special effects add some make it slightly surreal or goofy or cute or in some way you know do something different than, than what we're used to but um so in doing that, I'm, I'm trying to get my head around, well, what's what's a way to do this that's really effective in getting viewers and, and, and maybe maybe down the road actually making a few bucks off of it if that's possible. So I'm still just trying to get my head around that. And now you just blow my mind with this Twitch thing. So now i got to investigate that too. Maybe There's so much homework to do. Maybe don't show him. <laughs> I won't show him. No, he's eight. I'm not going to show him Twitch. Yeah. He'll, um, he'll naturally evolve to that eventually. Like Xander does even get it. Like I watch it and like because just it's – where gaming has moved to right and everyone has their little niche like there's one guy who's super popular and he does what's called speed runs and he'll drag out like i have a sega and an old nintendo here Mm. he'll find a way to video capture those i don't know how he does it but like and he'll be like okay i'm gonna finish super mario 2 in under 10 minutes and like fifteen thousand people tune into because they want to see him do it yeah yeah and it's just it's where it's going it's amazing so but yeah i don't understand it doesn't even matter if he fails or not no succeeds or fails it's the fact that he's trying to do it and people tune in to see if he does yeah and people will and like you you can still watch them like you don't have to sub to them but that's a lot of people's way of respect because it's the microtransaction mentality i'll throw him five bucks yeah but you multiply that by however many people um there's a game called hearthstone it's like the world of warcraft card game and it used to be a paper game and mm-hmm. they moved it to apps and computers, right? And um, brilliant because now you're buying virtual packs. They don't have to print a thing or spend any money on printing. Nope. They have digital artists or whatever, but when it's done, it's done. And one when new sets come out, you get virtual packs and it does this cute little animation and your cards show up on the screen. The most popular guy had 120,000 people watching him open virtual packs. That's ridiculous. So if you think maybe one in three of them are throwing five bucks his way that he gets half of. Oh, my God. And he's from Toronto. He's like... Yeah. Internet famous. That's and amazing. The this, other th- this is on Twitch as well. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I kind of enjoy about that is like... Do you remember in The Matrix, everyone went by their hacker name? Yes. Everyone in Twitch 
picks their own name and you go in you go by your login name so all of a sudden if you don't like being called joe smith you can be like yeah. the ultra paladin your neo or whatever yeah, yeah exactly and that's the part that blows my mind like this guy calls himself creparian it was his old character from like an old online game ages ago but nobody knows his real name he's his character so he can guy. hide behind that and, yeah. and enjoy his own life they know he's in greater toronto mm-hmm. they know that he's quit his job and he lives off this. twitch my god it's amazing but do you know how the YouTube monetizing works? I'm that... I'm slowly starting to to learn about it, but I don't know exactly. I know I know you have to. I think they went from 1,000 subscribers to 10,000. You have to have a minimum of 10,000 before you can. Oh wow! Get advertising, and I might be wrong on that, but I thought that was a very recent thing within the last six months. Um, I know there's ways to amplify your subscribers, and and then there's you know, um, deals that you make with ad. At, or you know advertisers and uh um what's the word what's the word i'm looking for um well those are just kind of team up deals that you can make with whatever sponsor is out looking for your kind of thing do you pick and choose where ads show up or? that i don't know that mm-hmm. i don't know we haven't even gotten close to okay. uh, but that's down the road yeah so I, i'm eager to to get into it and figure out how it works because uh yeah well, he has it's a exciting. perfect dad for it, too. Well, hopefully. Dad can't seem to make much time for it. But he's like, when are we doing another video, Dad? And his kids in his class have gone mental for it. Like, we're called Mac Daddy Films. And I show up to go pick him up, and all the kids see me, and they start yelling, Mac Daddy Films, Mac Daddy Films. I'm like, we got to start putting more stuff on there. Like, if, if the 30 kids in his class can go mental for it, you know. And that's where the word of mouth just... Exactly, yeah. But the thing is, when you go dormant and you don't pump out the content then you get forgotten, right? Yeah. So I wanted to get to a point where I'm uploading at least a video a week of varying lengths. I mean, there's something he watched that would be like unnecessarily 20 minutes long, and it didn't need to be that. You know? <laughs> and my problem is is I, 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 get these, uh, I get these short bursts of time and creative energy to do something, and I, I'll put something together, uh, but it's a little bit laborious editing-wise or special effects-wise, and it winds up being you know three minutes long. And so, okay, well, I think that's too short. And so you got to find that happy medium. Like, how do you not bite off more than you can chew production value-wise, um, but at the same time, you know, uh, not shortchange people. Like, no one wants to watch a 30-second video, you know, unless yeah. it kills. You know what I mean? Unless it's a really rich 30 seconds, and then there's, like, you know, 10 of them that they can watch. Is there a know? point where you would peel back the quality so you could pump out more stuff well that's 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 becomes the balance right it's like you know okay well if i try to be less ambitious with each video you know where does the where what makes it interesting do you know what i mean what makes it different yeah you know because like i really want to achieve a level of of surrealist of surrealism to them too i want it to start off as a kid's video I want it to start off being something you would see on youtube you know it make me laugh challenge or whatever and then have it just digress into some ridiculousness that's just meant to make you laugh hysterically or go what the hell is this you know what i mean like because that's my sense of humor yeah and it's a little bit my son's sense of humor especially if other people laugh if anyone laughs at it he's good oh good they laughed at my thing you know what i mean <laughs> but they're not going to laugh at it if you're trying to necessarily be funny or try to outdo you know the top youtubers at their own game you want to take what they're doing and then just turn it on its head and do something bizarre you know because kids go mental for that you know, so but but the thing is, the more crazy you make it, the harder it is to actually build that because kids don't know what you're trying to do, and yeah. uh, you know they don't understand the the big picture of it. 
because I come from a filmmaking background or a TV production background, everything takes forever to make. Yeah. You know, and it involves so many different pieces to make one final thing. Whereas you look at these YouTube, a lot of big things are on YouTube, and you know it didn't take them that long to shoot. You know what I mean? took them an hour to shoot, and they wound up with a half an hour of content. You know what I mean? didn't take them long to upload. They, they had a bit of graphics, some bells and whistles, and that's about it. And there's you some know? pretty good cut-and-paste editing software now. Exactly. And there's a lot of stuff it seems like it just cuts itself. And it doesn't matter because, you know, they're playing a game you want to see. Or they're doing, they've managed to get one gag that just, that works really well. The guys that amaze me are the ones, um, what is it, uh, Dude Perfect. Those guys are unreal. Like, they keep upgrading their facilities. Yeah. And now they, they own, like, some huge warehouse full of, like, they got, like, half of a skating, uh, half of a hockey rink that they can skate around in. And I do. thought I saw, and they had, like, almost half of a football field. Half of a football field. Like, they got a tennis court in there. They got all these crazy things. And it's like, are you really making that much money off of this that you can do that? And it's, this is their full-time job. And then it cuts to, they'll shoot scenes in their house. And it's like, you guys are in these brand spanking new beautiful homes, and there's there's got to be 15 of you. Like, how are you all making this kind of money? Like, I'm under no illusions that we're going to make a bunch of money off of doing this. But I'm just, when you see the scale of what you can go through, and that started from them just doing trick basketball shots with a shitty camera and probably just a phone. You know, like, it's amazing where you can go. We'll know? see how many takes it gets me to make this look perfect. Grab the one perfect one. And that's all it so is. So how many hours yeah. are you spending You were on... probably there all day trying to get that shot. Because some of them, it's like, throw it behind your head and, it, yeah, like... It's insane, mm-hmm. and especially now that they have this giant facility, because Xander was watching the same thing the other day, right? And it's just like, but it's a montage of these perfectness, and I'm yeah. like, being the older guy, I'm, I'm like, how many hours went into making That's this perfectness? The thing. Yeah. Do you ever get to, like, attempt number 102 and be like, you know what, maybe this... Sh- Let's just try it tomorrow, because I'm tired. Tr- yeah, I'm tired I, of trying to get the yeah. hat through the door. And, and I can't fake the energy of my performance every single time. Because like, they do it, like, every time, this is called through the legs, blah, 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 trick shot. And they do it, like, a big smile on their face, and then they get it. And you know that could have been the 80th time, 180th time, or it could have been the third time. You never know if they get lucky or not. The kids don't see that, though. No. Because yeah. <laughs> my son will be like, okay, Dad, let's go out in the backyard and do a bunch of trick shots, and he'll have no idea what he wants to do. He just wants to bounce a tennis ball off the side of the garage into a bucket. You know what I mean? And then he tries three times, and it doesn't work, and he gets pissed off, and he goes back into the house. It's like, you realize these guys are doing this all day long. And then when they finally get it, they put that up on the, oh, okay. It's like, do so you really want to sit there all day long and do this? We can, if you want. I don't have that much space on my phone. <laughs> I need another phone. Exactly. I should have gone with the 64 gig. Um, do you ever worry about overstepping your boundaries and it becoming your project and not his? That's already happened, yeah. But, I mean, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't bug him because he likes the end quality. Uh, only because his friends reacted really well and loved it. So he kind of gives me the benefit of the doubt. Okay, I think Dad knows what he's talking about. But at the same time, he wants that sort of immediate satisfaction of let's go do a video real quick and put it up. Yeah. And I've got to remember to just like let us do that. Okay, let's put up a stupid video that means nothing and there's no production value to it at all just so that you can have fun doing a video that we upload and see if anyone watches it. I've got to remember to keep that that thread going and not everything has to become okay we need to storyboard it and figure out this and then we'll get this shot and then we'll get that shot because then it never get never never happens because you realize oh it's going to take like at least a whole weekend to do it and we don't have one available and we keep putting it off and putting it off and actually end up doing nothing so in the meantime i kind of need to go with his instinct to just 
do whatever. And if no one watches it, no one watches it. Because you never know, you might do a silly little video that took you 10 minutes to do. And a bunch of people will watch it. You don't know. You don't know exactly what's going to... Yeah. You know, you don't know what quality was in that little video. I don't mean production quality, but like what either like performance quality or personality quality or just happy accidents going to happen in it that's going to make it worthwhile. could be nothing at all. It could just be just bland content. But it's content. And it's yeah. something fun to do with the kid. And uh, yeah, so he's right and I'm right. He sees where I'm going, but I also got to remember not to get too focused on that and just remember to do just fun stuff. So you've never reached the point where like you're drawing out a storyboard and you look over your shoulder and he's like tuned right out God. it will happen i know it will happen because there's a couple of videos that we want to do like he wants to get his friends involved this happened at school i sent out uh, a message to his teacher just because i want to he, he my son wanted two of his friends to be in the video the next video and i didn't have the parents contact info so i put a message out i say could you send this message to these parents so i can get your contact info well he misunderstood what i said and he put it in his newsletter to like all of the parents. So it became so suddenly advertising. I could, yeah. So suddenly I got all these email responses. Oh, so-and-so would love to be in the video. So-and-so. And then my son got all mad. Dad, everyone wants to be in the video now. And everybody wants to be the lead. And everybody wants to be the main character in the hero. And it's like, okay, well, we got to figure this out. It's like, just you and your three friends will be the leads. And then we'll just figure out a way to get a group shot with all your fr- with all the rest of your class in it. Okay. It's like, but everybody will be mad. They'll want to be in it. It's like, well, I can't give your teacher... <laughs> shit for this but dad accidentally made a casting call (laughs) put it in the local paper suddenly actors phoning me up and say is this union i don't know (laughs) you might have to pay some money that's awesome yeah yeah i've never understood the monetizing value like i remember when i first started at work was when that friday song came out from that girl who pretty much it looked like dad had money paid for whatever what's the program that makes you sound like Auto tune, yeah. So yeah. some dad, it looks like at least to me, like dad paid for auto tune in a music video, and all of a sudden, like the, I remember googling it. Just I was curious because it seemed like Why? she made a lot of money, and she made like three hundred and fifty thousand dollars off YouTube hits on that one video. Yeah, and made another three hundred fifty thousand dollars off iTunes purchases. There you go. And it's like Garage yeah, Band. That's your already like, three quarters of a million bucks. Well, that's like my, my son came home from school and he said, Dad, what? Why is Justin Bieber famous? I looked at him and I went, YouTube. And he's, oh. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I guess. Don't yeah. criticize. I mean, you're the one that wants to be the big YouTuber. That's funny. But yeah, I, don't, I still don't understand how the monetizing uh, works. It's one of those things I kind of want to. Like, I, number one, I want to do it for the right reasons, and that's just sort of spending time with Mac and just yeah. having fun and also just kind of create scratching that creative itch of my own. Cause I mean, I set out to make films and I haven't made any, I've been spending the last 20 years really working for other people on their projects, which has been great. Um, but I haven't set out to do my own stuff because to actually make your own product on TV or in film, the actual making of the film is such a small portion of the job. The rest of the time, you know, you're out there networking, you're out trying to raise money, you're, you're filling out grant applications and all this other stuff. And it's just a hustle. And it takes all the fun out of it, where the great liberating thing about YouTube and apparently Twitch and other things is that you can just go out with your phone and shoot some stuff for the fun of it, the whole reason you got into it in the first place, and make it whatever you want. And you don't have to, like, prove anything to, prove anything to anybody. 
So I kind of want to be able to scratch that itch a little bit, which is why I kind of take control of these films so much. So, <laughs> oh, no, I'd like to do this. Um, but it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of spending time with my son and having fun, something we can do together. And then if by chance we got really good at it and had so much fun and data that we're like, you know, uploading a couple of videos a week and some people, and it took off hypothetically speaking. Um, then I will start to learn how the monetizing works. Yeah. Cause I think it's a little bit putting the cart before the horse to figure out, okay, here's how you make a whole bunch of money at YouTube and then try to chase that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather just start putting a bunch of stuff on there for fun and just see what comes of it. And if nothing comes of it, fine, we'll just keep doing it. Just for fun. In the end, and, you have yeah. father-son time anyway. Exactly. So. And if he gets a little bit... I mean, he's already eight. I, I think the window of interest is only going to be another year or two, and he's going to start losing interest. Um, if it like, if nothing happens, if nothing comes of it, he'll just go, oh, I don't really want to do that anymore, Dad. Why don't you go do that? Um, or he'll do his own thing, and uh, so be it. So I, I think strike strike while the iron's hot. We feel like doing it now. Instead of constantly talking about it, just do it. Just put a bunch of stuff up. See what happens. Um, I'm certainly not going to you know, bank on it is. Yeah. yeah. And I'm happy to learn the monetizing as if that comes as that comes. Cause you do, I mean, they're not going to like not take note that you've got a hundred thousand hits. Yeah. You know, you know, a bunch of, they're going to come to you and say, okay, here's what happens next, you know, and it's still plenty of time to read up and learn. And yeah, like I know, and, um, and, know, and be, and be aware. Yeah. Like I know Dolby from the radio station. Um, it's funny. Like, he's part of the wrestling community too in town. So I met him through that and like, I don't listen to the radio. So I'm like, Hey, how's it going? And I was chatting with him and like Mike McGuire from the country station. And I have no idea who these guys are, but this uh, NFL season, Dolby started a YouTube channel and he would give his picks, simple stuff like that. And 18 weeks later, he's like, thanks to this channel, I renoed my basement. So it's and just, he's just a local guy yeah. doing football picks. Yeah. See, it's amazing. It's just, it's absolutely amazing what you can do. And it's just having that connection. Like, I remember hearing one guy say, like, say, you guys start your channel. How many kids are in his class? Now, each, say, 30 kids. Mm-hmm. Now, each of those 30 kids might have 15, 20 people he'll tell outside of that. And it's right. the whole degrees of it. Or just, ex- yeah, or yeah, it starts at one classroom. It goes to the whole school, you know. And it looks fantastic because, yeah, like if you entertain the group around you, you have your free advertising right there, right? Totally. And it's like that with YouTube and it looks like that with Twitch. Like, and then on the other side, you'll always have your people that are trying to abuse it. Like, there's already the term like Twitch girls. What's a Twitch girl? (laughs) Or Twitch bait. It's weird because, like, it came out and I think it became bigger than they expected. And that's when Amazon took over and people started making stuff stupid amounts of money right but then some women or just uh, i'm gonna get thrown under a bus for this but there were just there was this group of girls and they've all been banned since but they would like the camera would go up here the shirt would come down oh and like some of them were so blatant it would be like every five dollars in donations is 10 jumping jacks gotcha this and this was before they created the talk show section and like they call it IRL streaming where it's just whatever you want to do. Um, there's one girl, I think she's in Vancouver every night. She makes a fresh oil painting and twitches it. And it's amazing because like one camera is the canvas. The other one's on her and she has her laptop beside her and she, and you literally does a painting. Yeah. And wow. you interact with the chat and they'll, 
whatever. And it's nice because you can literally right click on someone's name and say block. And they're kicked out of your chat. Because trolling has become now this giant thing, right? Right. Because it, it's always the negative is going to follow where the positive goes. Um, I've watched one super positive guy who was doing that card game. Flat out doesn't play it anymore. Because of the trolls. Right. He just... They suck your will to live, man. Like, I don't know where these people come from. And it was horrible because he's like... I liked him because I'd watch and he would... Exp- it's like Magic the Gathering too. Like, I liked playing it. I sucked. Mm-hmm. So I sought out videos and then Twitch. That's how I fell into Twitch. I was looking for um, magic content to watch and learn because people would talk their way through. And then all of a sudden, um, Wizards of the Coast actually has a Twitch channel. And then um, then they opened a Dungeons & Dragons channel where they live stream famous people playing D&D. Oh, wow. And it's just been branching out. And um, uh, TNA, they're the number two wrestling company in the States. They just got a Twitch channel. Now they don't have to pay a network. No, it's amazing. Yeah, terrestri- is, it called, is that what you would call it? Terrestrial television or just the old school uh, platforms. They've got to be terrified. You know what I mean? Like, no one needs those. Yeah, you don't it's... need a cable channel. You don't need a network or broadcaster anymore. What? What for? You know, you can put it up on. You almost don't even need Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime. You just get it up yeah. on YouTube, and if enough, if it's good, people will watch it. And you're going to make way more money than you were going to make if you made a sale to Discovery. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It could be a little science show. It could be you and your kid in the backyard making little rockets that blow up. Little, you know, club, you know, baking soda powered whatever, and you'll get way more viewers than anybody on Discovery, yeah. and that's not, that's not really a a value judgment, like the stuff that goes on. Like I've worked for Discovery, they put a tremendous amount of effort and study into everything that they do, but it almost feels like so what, you know? I mean, like it's so everybody wants to get a show. Like in my world, in the in you know where people are pitching TV shows, everybody wants Discovery to buy their show. But what all Discovery wants is the thing that's going to be the next Mythbusters or the next thing. They don't want filler. They don't want, oh, that's a neat idea. Yeah, we could get, throw you some money for that. So we'll buy six episodes or 12 episodes. No, they just want the thing that's going to be huge. And it's like, well, even the hugest thing on your channel is still smaller than a mediocre thing on YouTube. Yeah. So I'm just going to go YouTube. You know what I mean? Like, it's, they should be terrified because, yeah, people can jump ship and just do their own thing. Are you familiar with Jordan Peterson? The, he's a professor from U of T. Oh, yeah. When you mentioned, uh, every, anytime you mentioned Joe Rogan, I think of him because there was that long, I don't he's, know where I stand on that guy, but yeah. It's yeah. it's interesting. I And I was chatting both with my friend at work today because Rogan's had him on four times now in the last like 18 months because well, there's re- such a buzz around him. Such a crescendo, yeah, with him. But the one thing I do enjoy about him now is he starts putting all of his psychology classes free on YouTube. And he said that YouTube is going to get rid of, because I just, I love the way he put it. He's like, YouTube, like you and your son, you don't have an agenda. It's an honest, earnest thing that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And he said, when you tune into a TV station, it's, they want you to watch their Mythbusters and they make their money off the ad that's at eight sure. minutes and 22 minutes or whatever the formula is, right? And he said, it's a very genuine and honest source that has no agenda to it. And that I liked what he said. And yeah, like it's it doesn't. A, it doesn't. I mean, everybody wants to strike at rich. Yeah, you know what I mean. So once you start, once you start getting that, the temptation to get advertising, like 
how much is your integrity challenged by like, well, do I want this yeah. advertiser? Like, I want their money, but do I really want to be associated with that? Can I pick and choose? Am I in a position to pick and choose? You know, like, do I need to be thoughtful about like what kind of advertising is connected to stuff I'm doing with my kid? You know, that would be another great question too. Like, and and because that's because I, I do think about that, even though it's not a reality at the moment. With our, I think we have 22 subscribers on our channel, so it's really not an issue right now. <laughs> but I, I think about that, and I think about you know how am I going to deal with like negative comments? Do I just disable? Com- I don't want to disable comments because my son wants to do that whole thing where comment in the in the section comment section and tell us what you want us to do next. And you know all I need is just some fucking asshole go. I want you kids to go fuck yourselves. You're a bunch of losers. It was funnier when Dan TDM did it. And it's like, and so it's something that's gonna make my kid feel terrible. Yeah. And be scared to go on there and not want to do it. And, and it's like, well, great. Well, I put you in this position. So you think about all those things, but. I totally got a sidetrack there. No, yeah, that's... so the the yeah, there is a sincerity and honesty with what you're doing, to a point. You know, everyone yeah. everyone everyone has wants their price to be a, a little bit. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to be a sensation, but yeah. I feel like that's the real challenge to your integrity. Is like you know when when people start come when people come calling with the money, you know, can you maintain your integrity? And it's not like eschewing ad revenue at all, entirely. It's just making something that it matches your values and your ethics and. And maybe that even, in a free market capitalist way, is more pure and honest and yeah. good. Who knows? You know, you're not think, selling out to the highest bidder. Yeah, I think more. And he was more talking to. I think just people are going to YouTube to get their news now, which is terrifying. Like my one yeah, friend, as someone who has worked in news, that is terrifying. Because and that was the conversation I had with Kendall too when she was on here. It's like Fox and CNN have been so villainized and then trump waves them off as like fake news and like well he doesn't wave fox off as fake news was it cnn it's mostly cnn yeah yeah and And cnbc and the major the regular networks but but it's true like you watch a network and they're gonna have sponsors they're gonna have to lean that way and like newspapers are that way like anytime an election comes around you Mm -hmm. everything's leaning a certain way and i think that's one of the things peterson said is like especially with rogan rogan is like this He's a commentator for cage fighting. And yeah. he just, and that's all he calls himself. But he comes down with his mind open. He doesn't care if you're left wing, yeah. left wing, right wing. And he sits down with you and listens. And he gets your honest opinion. And uh, it, is, it does make it interesting to listen to. Because you're not steering it. You're not jumping down someone's throat or telling them, well, you're actually this. If you think that, then that means this. So you do get a more interesting discussion out of it but I, I think I don't know enough about the Peterson controversy I know it has to do with freedom of speech and and, uh, and that but uh, yeah he went after Bill C-16 hard yeah but yeah it's and that's the thing like I like listening to him and he has some really good points but then he steers the ship extremely right and then I'm like okay we're then yeah exactly then it gets like even like, I feel like even people who have just abhorrent opinions or outlooks on life can be very, can sound very rational and clinical and straightforward and honest. And it's like, yeah, but the core of all of this is you just rejecting somebody's human right, you know, like, yeah, because you think it's more wrong that you should have to respect their human right than not. Like, 
and that's and so I, I have a tough time giving him the benefit of the doubt. But again, I plead a bit of ignorance because I don't totally know the story. Yeah, and that's like my knowledge is from what he says on Joe Rogan, also, yeah, so which always like, sounds sensible. Yeah, because like, oh, he makes an interesting point. You have the mediator yeah. who is. I feel like the guy is almost like down the middle, but like he believes in social programs, but he believes in like punishing or whatever. And it's like I love having this. Are you talking about Rogan or are you talking about... Yeah, Rogan. No, it's... Peterson's pretty abundantly (laughs) right-leaning. Even though he sounds very calm and uh, insane. And that's uh, one of the things I like about him because they'll put him on these shows. Like, he was just on British Channel 4 and she was a very, like, in-your-face... Yeah, she was trying to play gotcha with him and he said literally gotcha. And yeah, he just... I love someone who can listen, process it, and be like, no, this was my statement. You're twisting what I'm saying. And not get, yeah, not let the emotions of it, you let them get swept away. Like. Uh, and, and then, because when you do that, you make a mistake and you say something stupid. You can fall into some kind of trap or you say what you don't quite mean because you got a little bit of anger spinning it, you know? Yeah. And it's just, I, I admire the calm. And there's a few of them that are on the right wing. Like, it's, it's funny as I've grown up, I've been, we all become, I think, more mature and everything. Mm-hmm. And I've been moving left wing as I've been growing up because you become a dad. You start caring about more things than just yourself and just yeah. become more human. And like, but there's still some people on the right wing that I still enjoy listening to them because they well, articulate it. So there should be. Yeah, there always should be. Like, I, I'm definitely a left leaning person, but I don't think that the ultimate goal is for the left to extinguish the right. No, or vice versa. Or vice versa. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I worked for CBC for many years and just growing up, my household was always a CBC household. It's always something I've admired and respected. I don't go as far as like some people to say that it's like a wing of the liberal party or it's some sort of indoctrination thing. Yeah, I think a lot of the people who work there lean left and their bias slips out. Um, but it's not a predominantly left-leaning institution but that said i think it could stand to use some more conservative voices yeah and cover all those bases you know have voices that are a little more independent well i guess you've got a neil mcdonald which is he's somewhat independent he he, he holds both sides to task but rex murphy went and got ridiculously right wing um and then you've got some you know roll your eyes left wing voices on there and unfortunately a bit too many perhaps yeah, but having worked there, I watch people like I wasn't a journalist myself. I worked on the technical broadcast side, but watching the journalists around me work, they had very strenuous, strenuous uh, standards and practices that they had to adhere to, and people around them, their coworkers, their peers, would hold them to it and challenge them. So they 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 would vet what they were saying. It was like, oh yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, let's let's maintain our lefty agenda. It was like you never saw that. Yeah, you know. Um, so, uh, so I, I get frustrated when I see that, but at the same time, or I guess I get I get frustrated when I hear that criticism. But I do agree that you should always have both voices, yeah. not necessarily given equal time, because then you just get this weird tit for tat, and no one makes anything, or you don't make any progress. But I don't think any, like both sides should always be listened to. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so I, I definitely miss, like I'll go on YouTube and look up old. Um, you know, like the episodes of say Dick Cavett, definitely a left-leaning guy, but he wasn't, you know, crazy about it. Yeah. You know, he would just open the discussion and let people have at it. Nice. Um, and and then you'd watch, and then and then his, I guess his, sort of his peer at the time would be like a Bill Buckley. 
you know, which you don't have conservative voices like that in the States anymore. Completely pretentious and full of his own shit, but just really erudite, great vocabulary, incredibly intelligent, came from where he came from, had his opinions, but was thoughtful and and stuck his, you know, maintained his ground. It, was, it wasn't gotcha journalism. It wasn't, you know, trying to trap people into anything. Uh, I remember we went to see a documentary about Buckley, I can't remember the title, I'm going to butcher it, but it was Gore Vidal versus Bill Buckley. And now, granted, we're talking like, you know, American politics, 1968. But I went and watched this thinking, oh, great, I'm going to watch Gore Vidal, a brilliant Pulitzer Prize winning author, just eviscerate Bill Buckley. And this is going to be a pleasure to watch it. And I watched it and I came out totally sympathizing with Bill Buckley. Like Gore Vidal was just a pretentious asshole who thought the dumbest things and had the worst opinions and couldn't back them up with any sort of fact or documentation or whatever. And I watched Bill Buckley just be completely calm. I mean, he would get flustered and angry eventually just because Gorvidal was just so obtuse and, and annoying. And I'm just like, that's interesting to come away from that. Like, you don't see a lot of that in discussion anymore where you suddenly empathize with the other side. Nowadays, we just dig our heels in and just I identify on the left so I'm just going to dig my heels in and and just defend that side because I can't give the other side an inch of ground and it's so infuriating because you know the other side is going to do just the same thing yeah and rightfully so even though I disagree with everything they say yeah but but there, there there's no legitimate discussion and I feel like it's so far away on the horizon but and know. it's getting worse like totally and so the one polarizing. that and the one that I enjoyed and it's so funny. I know more about American politics just because it's what we see. It's much more interesting than our own. And <laughs> I loved Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And he's interesting. I think the reason Trump got in is everyone felt hosed that he wasn't the nominee. I, th- I think it's hard to really to know that for a fact, but you definitely get that feeling. That's just, definitely that possibility. Yeah. Like I'm not down there. I have family down there, but it just felt like the uh, the ongoing agenda when it came down to like Bernie and Hillary as the last two candidates. I don't know who it was doing it, but they it seemed like the Hillary is corrupt agenda just kept yeah. the flow, right? Yeah. Like which was, people really believe. Yeah. And and I don't know, she's definitely establishment, but Yeah. Like even on Rogan, like they'll talk about like and sincerely believe they're like she had this person killed and this person oh, I know. killed and like oh my god the conspiracies are like there was a time in my 20s when i would have just i would have fallen for almost any conspiracy theory about anything like i was right into it the rosicrucians and the Bilderbergers and the and the uh, carlisle group and all these kinds of things and anti-global you know it was just the rothschilds and everything and, and then i just eventually got to this point where it's like you know what people just are not that organized <laughs> it's not that simple um, have you ever watched Gravity Falls with your son? No, what is that? Um, it's a Disney Channel, but it's a really well done uh, cartoon. It's a little like I like it. I feel like it's a little more intellectual and stuff. I'm just typing that down so I remember. Um, but Xander loves it, and it's hilarious because now they've taken it that the villain in the show is got this guy called Bill Cipher, and he's like the embodiment of the Illuminati, and the so embodiment of it. Like he's, a, he's a character. He's yeah, a, yeah, but yeah. he's like this literal yellow triangle with eyes and a top hat. <laughs> so they've so yeah, made is, fun of it. Yeah. But like, it's cool because like, the premise that catches the kids is like, these this 
brother and sister combo go off to like I think they're visiting their uncle for summer camp or something and every episode is like this like almost like Scooby-Doo-ish eerie mystery that happens and in the end it's this like Illuminati guy that's in it and behind it and it's like kids don't like that's why I like you don't think they'll get the reference is that what you mean like no like they don't like it's just a silly character yeah when like when Xander drives by access their logo is kind of a triangle and he goes (gasps) Illuminati and there's an eyeball yeah that's right so yeah there is an eyeball so it's hilarious that this cartoon uh, like a lot of them put stuff in for the parents yeah like i enjoyed when he went through a phineas and ferb phase oh yeah yeah. because the amount of 80s references and even some small 70s references was amazing yeah and no kid caught them no you know it's there for the parents who were stuck watching it with their kid and that's what i feel like gravity falls was perfect for like it just it seemed to be almost like there was intellectual stuff in there for the parents who were kind of like yeah. cleaning the kitchen and hearing it kind of coming from the other room. Cause he just liked the adventure part of it. And like well, the old Warner brothers cartoons were like that too. You know, like I'd watch like my brother, my brother, my God, my son loves the old classic Warner brothers cartoons, Bugs Bunny and everybody. So like the old roadrunner style. And- totally. Yeah. Well, roadrunner, I think came a little bit later, but it's like the old porky pigs and, Daffy Duck and you know Duck and Muck, all that kind of stuff. Like the real classic what was stuff, the like the forties. Barber of Seville, the Barber of Seville one. Yeah, I think that one was like in the fifties or sixties, but still, it's one of the classics. Um, and we'll watch those. Like he, he'll watch the newer ones that are on like Netflix, and just like, ugh, I don't like this dad. I don't like the animation. I don't like you know the voices are weird. Because you go back to the old ones. I, it blew his mind when I told him that it was one guy doing all the voices. So I showed oh, him Mel Blanc. Sh- yeah. Mel Blanc. So I showed him a clip of Mel Blanc on uh, Letterman from like nineteen eighty or whatever and my son's mind was just blown anyway the point is we'd be watching these old Warner Brothers cartoons and I'm like I remember liking them as a kid and I'd watch them again and suddenly there was all these additional references that I that I had never gotten before like to old movie stars and old like movie genres and and little quirky jokes like you know criticisms of politicians from the day that you just never picked up on before and I was like yeah it's like oh my god there's so much (laughs) more here that I didn't notice See, and yeah, and at the time, it's like, oh, I'm going to wait for the anvil to fall on the coyote's head again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is Does he enjoy that art style and stuff, too? Yeah, or? he does. Yeah. I'll point you towards another thing. There's a, and it was a Regina or Saskatchewan kind of game development group. They made a video game called Cuphead. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that? Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. And Brilliant they, what they've done. And I couldn't believe it when I heard there was Regina people in on the development of it. And it was such a beautiful throwback looking thing to those old like max fleischer betty boop style yeah, cartoons like 1920s yeah. yeah and um they did such an amazing the colors and, and i heard it was completely hand-drawn all the animation everything yeah, i believe it which blows my mind and another thing that blows my mind now is they made it like 1980s mario hard like it's because video games now it's like everyone can finish them mm-hmm. it's just it's a matter of how many hours you put into it yeah and i guess the number one critique of um cuphead is people can't finish it. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, it's that hard. It's actually hard. Wow, good. But it's... I love it. Like, and it became a huge... Like, when it released on um, Steam as the new game or whatever, all the Twitch streamers all of a sudden were like Cuphead and their viewership went up. And that's another thing that they need to keep their finger on the pulse of, too. It's like... You gotta know what people want to watch. Right. And what game's coming up, so... Yeah, why waste your time on... A game that people are sick of looking at. Yeah. So, like, it's amazing. But, yeah, like, the Cuphead thing, like... And it's the whole thing, like, do you follow the road that other successful have 
people have gone on, like game developers or content makers, like, do you want to copy them? And then all of a sudden Cuphead comes out of nowhere and it's got this beautiful original 1920s look to it. It's a super hard game that no one's ever seen and it's original. Totally original. But I guarantee in the next five years, there's going to be 12 Cupheads. Oh, yeah. Well, that's because that's what happens. Yeah. And then it becomes old hat. You're just like, oh, Cuphead. Oh, yeah, nice game. It looks like Cuphead. Yeah. It's just a Cuphead ripoff. And then what's <laughs> the next thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how many Minecraft variations are there? Oh, my God. So many ripoffs. But that's just how it always goes, you know? Just the sandbox genre in general. And the one that blew my mind, like... Is that what it is? The sandbox genre? That's the name of it? Yeah. Okay. It was so, so funny. So much I don't know. It's so funny because, like, all my friends from Luther were the pen and paper role-playing guys, right? Right. And like Kaderma I still I'm hanging out with Larry and I see, I see I see him around every once in a while he still bounces at the nightclub I know I, I follow him on Twitter when he uh, is it Twitter or is it just Facebook Facebook he puts yeah, his, I've been like, off Facebook all year, all year I'm quite proud of myself so I saw your but comment his, 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 his notes were great they're, and it's beautiful because it's just like this girl came in she was entitled oh goodbye honey boom off to the curb and he has like 15 to 20 little quip stories every Saturday night and I'm like and they're always know, cold yeah. yeah, and they're beautiful. It's like I put in my time at the state, so it's like as a just, bouncer or uh bartender. Oh, bartender. I was there for right near when it was shutting down, mm-hmm. like oh three right oh four. Um, but yeah, like everything he says, like all of us that either went to the clubs or worked at them, and it's just like he hits that every scenario is still ongoing, and it's like I'm part of me is waiting for the day that he gets a book offer. Oh, he should. Because do you remember the shit my dad says guy mm-hmm. from Twitter? Oh, yeah. And, Same thing. And I feel that Larry is that comedy gold. Yeah. Because it's original and it's just, he's not trying to be. And it's always, it's a consistent voice. Yeah. Which is what's great. You know what I mean? He's not flailing around doing different sort of voices. It's always like this sort of, I picture him just sort of like leaning against the wall, <laughs> watching this just shitty humanity. Exactly. <laughs> this Rolling his mustache, watching this, this shittiness of humanity you know uh, display itself over and over and over again and looking back like 25 years back when i was probably that guy he was tossing out I just, you realize it's just only oh, it's just that's how it goes and I it just, repeat yeah. itself forever and ever <laughs> the vicious cycle but just how he conveys his because you read it with the same disgust that, that he has. like he's not typing it with the disgust but you understand that it's yeah. just this yes i understand you think you're important <laughs> Yes, I'm taking that vodka out of your purse. <laughs> yes, you have to check your shit. Exactly. Ready. No, saying that you know the manager does yeah. not get you VIP status. The manager's actually behind you. Yeah, he's <laughs> the one asking you to leave. But just yeah, it's like so good. it's so funny and like it's amazing because I'm still sitting down with the same guys from. Because I remember when That's I asked funny. you to come here, I'm like, I think we're pushing 25 years. I convocated in 96, so that's 22 years. Coming up on 22 years. I moved into I, Luther in 93, and you were an RA, I believe. I was an RA in 94. So Was it? Yeah, 93 would have been my second year. Were so I, my, the, I was there fall of 92 is when I first showed up, and okay. that's where I met Dave and then Jeff and Larry. Larry was my RA. Yeah. And he was uh, he was Dwayne Wayne back then. <laughs> uh, he's quite he, – now he looks like uh, Genghis Khan. Um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so then you would have come the year after. Yeah. Because, yeah, Dave had been on our – was Dave ever on our floor? No, I think he was on a different floor. Dave Gain? Yeah. Yeah. Because he was with you guys. He was on Second South. That's right. Or maybe I don't know if he was the first go-around. 
Maybe it was later. I'm yeah. embarrassed. It's a horrible blur. Like, it is a blur because I was yeah yeah I was I was I yeah I wasted a lot of time just being inebriated back in those days. I didn't know if the first half of us talking was going to be me being like, how close was I getting to kicked out? <laughs> <laughs> I'd never know. Yeah. Well, it was Noel when I got there. Really yeah, the and there was that other guy. I can't remember his name. I forgot his name too. I've seen him around. I saw him around not long ago. I, see, I, I just I saw him walking down the street. I'm like, where have I seen that guy? Oh yeah, he was my boss for a year. See, and that's how sad it would have been. Like, yeah, I didn't even register. I'm thinking of university people that I that I bump into. I see you around every once in a while. I see Dave a lot. Uh, we don't really get together socially, but I'll bump into him at like Safeway or something like that. Um, I see a lot of people on you know, social media, of course, because that's where you see everybody. But so many people I just haven't seen. I saw Kyle Doosterbeck popped out of nowhere on Facebook once and posted all these like horrific photos of me from my first year when we were drinking and like just doing <laughs> stupid things. I picture of me like naked in a towel wearing a tie, and uh, I'm like, oh my god, where is this going to go? You know. I'm kind of glad I was adamant that I didn't like having my picture taken. Yeah, I looking I back, young. I probably should have been more adamant. Like my whole thing was completely based out of insecurity. I didn't like what I looked like. I felt mm-hmm. nerdy and oh. all that stuff. And it's just like so when people would bring out a camera, I'm like gone. Yeah, totally. And it sucks because now it's like because I'm still in touch with like Nathan and like Melissa. Um, I still talk to lots of them. Like even like Daryl Silzer, I see on Facebook every once in a while, and. Like it's still that core kind of community, um, and it's nice to see that. But now all of a sudden, I'm like, because some of them will put up like they just had a Luther reunion, and there's pictures going up, and all of a sudden it's like I didn't exist there either. Well, yeah, because there's no picture. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm jealous of the towel and tie or not. <laughs> I'm more, I'm more just pissed off. It's like I had more hair and I was really skinny, and I look like a baby. That's what amazes me. Because back then you think you're a grown up. Oh, I'm in university now. I'm a grown-up. Who put up the picture of you in, like, the grunge look? Because you had, like, the Eddie Vedder flannel. I did I did dress like that for a while. I don't know who would have posted that. It might have been Deusterbeck. He had so many photos of me. I just remember that came by one day. And I, I was don't like, remember that. Cause it, yeah, it might even have been something. It may have been something that I posted. I don't know. I remember you commenting on it, though. So I can't remember who, like, there was a barrage of photos. It might have been because there was the Facebook group for a reunion at one point. Right. That, um, oh, I think, yeah, maybe some Laura of and Jay, yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. were the ones behind it. So pictures popped up, and I remember seeing the one of you and, like, the total grunge oh, totally. look. Yeah, I had the but, Eddie Vedder hair and the yeah. waffle shirt, and we all did. So many, <laughs> so many of us did. Oh, my God. It's amazing how long ago that is. Um, speaking of Daryl Silzer, I, last time I saw him, I had dinner with my wife and I had dinner with him in Manhattan of all places if you can imagine it. Wow. My wife and I finally took our honeymoon 7 years after we got married and we went down to New York. And uh he just happened to be there as well on a conference or something like that. Work had sent him there. He's like, "Oh my god, we have to get together." So we went to like a Korean restaurant and not far from the Empire State Building. I'm like, "This is ridiculous. Like I'm having dinner with Daryl Silzer from school a city in Manhattan. Eight you know? to ten million people. Exactly. And you're hanging out with another Regina. With someone I, yeah, someone I know from Regina. <laughs> like Yeah. And I was actually staying at a, a buddy's place for, from Campsack who had a who had an apartment in Queens. Oh so man. yeah, it was just small world. And my cousin who's an actor on Broadway, but he's not from Saskatchewan. I guess I should have mentioned that due to allergies, but <laughs> Oh, I'm good. I'm not allergic to anything. Okay. Yeah. That she's probably extremely pissed off that I fluffed. There's the a cat in the room. If anyone's watching, listen. Oh, I guess yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a woman. That's so funny because yeah, like another. I hate going back to Rogan all the time because he's like 
he gets three to five million watches on YouTube, but he said he gets 30 million listens on iTunes and all those formats. So every once in a while, he'll be going on and going on and he'll be like, oh, for those listening, I'm showing this on the screen. So yeah, I still have to learn chatting 101. Yeah, exactly. Because you do the radio thing. Yeah, that's the thing with Rogan. Um, I wanted to. I, I, I've, I've subscribed and unsubscribed to him so many times, and it's not because he says anything that pisses me off. It's just that I don't have time to listen to a three-hour podcast. Like, and I'm not, I don't mean that as a judgment. He is, and I'm not. Between. I'm not. I'm not better than that. It's just that I listen to so many podcasts that if it's over an hour, it's like I, I just can't. I can't fit it in. I'm trying to keep up with all the other ones. You know. See, and I went more like the beauty pageant route where I had a whole bunch and I weaned it down. And now I have that I'm I'm dedicated to one because he mm-hmm. is a two to three hour investment a day. Yeah. And I'm sure it's worth it. But I have other ones I want to listen to. Yeah. You know, like the only one that kind of I strayed for is whenever Kevin Smith would kind of reboot and have one again, because I always felt that I agreed with him on most pop culture items and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely, definitely cut from a cloth that I can relate to. Yeah, it's well. He was probably a film student around the same time you would have been. He was at UBC, I think. Yeah. Um, just around the time, because like when did Clerks come out? Ninety three. Was it that early? Ninety three or ninety four? Because he dropped out and spent what was left of his money on Clerks, right? Right, and that was all filmed on short ends. What the short ends means, like leftover film from other projects. Oh, really? From people from UBC is my understanding, and I think. He would have been editing that around the time I started film school in Regina, I think. So he would have been, I think he's maybe a year or two ahead of where I was. And now many years ahead of where I am now. (laughs) And that was the one thing, like, I went to school for computer science. And I absolutely hated being at a desk all the time. Oh, yeah. And as I worked my way out, I took a whole, I just, I knew I was on my way out. But then I took a boatload of film classes and absolutely. Oh, you did? Yeah. I got right up to the point before like the 200s with the production stuff started. Right. But I took all the film theory. All the theory and, and some just, history classes. Yeah, and just history. watching it. And I really loved it. And um, I'd love to go back and revisit them because some of them, they introduced me to so many interesting things. And the only thing I didn't like is that was when Pulp Fiction came out. Yeah. And everyone was so Tarantino driven. Oh, and my everything God. Had everything. Had to be. Had For years. That, yeah. And had to have that Tarantino edge. I'm trying yeah, to find it. Yeah. When I... When I uh, I, I can't even, I honestly almost can't even remember why I decided to go into film. But when I got, because I wasn't into movies necessarily. Like I didn't have a, an eclectic taste. I wasn't into David Lynch until much later. I wasn't, into, I didn't, I didn't even see The Godfather until I was already in university. But I remember Jeff Allen, our very first semester, like we're talking like two months into our first semester of university, saying, hey, I read in Entertainment Weekly this movie that did great at all these places and we should go see it. It's at the Cornwall Theater. It's called Reservoir Dogs. I'm like, yeah, sure, we'll go. I'd never seen it, never heard of it. And it just blew my mind Yeah, that something that could look like that and sound like that and actors could be like that. And I swear to God, we quoted that incessantly for months. And I thought Daryl Silzer was going to kill us all. <laughs> and, uh, and that kicked off the whole thing. And then Pulp Fiction was, what, two years later? And it's just like it fed itself ad nauseum. Everyone wanted... Everyone was like, you know, having heist movies and shoot 'em ups and it was so ridiculous. Like it's like this takes place in Moose Jaw. No one's gonna have a shoot 'em up in in Moose Jaw. Like, what are you doing? You know? But it was that's all it was. And then John Woo was big at the time, so it was just that's all you saw was just lots of squibs, lots of guns. Yeah, Tarantino was I what I enjoyed about him was the dialogue. Totally. 
and he was brilliant at writing dialogue. It, it dated though. Yeah, it got dated fast. <laughs> yeah, I think he lost me by about Kill Bill. Kill Bill, I enjoyed, but it was when he was like brought in as a stunt writer on other movies. Like, what was that one with Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman, the submarine movie Red? Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide. Yeah. Red. Crimson Tide. You're and on there the was, Red October train. I know, right? <laughs> Which is a vastly superior submarine movie. Um, but there was a scene out of nowhere because I, well, I, I should back that up. He was brought in to doctor that script to fix it up to clean it up. Oh, we hired Tarantino. He's going to clean up the script. And I just remember watching like it's this intense scene. It's a Tony Scott movie, right? So it's got that look, and suddenly out of nowhere. Denzel Washington, the, the skipper or whatever he was at the time, starts talking to some lieutenant about um, Mo- Mo- Mobius, comic book artist from like the 70s. Okay. Like what was the best version of this, that or whatever. And, and it was like this really, really deep cut kind of cultural reference. And it was a total throwaway scene. And it just had Tarantino written all over it. I'm just like, you could just cut that scene out. Like you don't even need it. Like what did you bring him on there for to, to do just to, to add weird pop culture references? Like, you know, you can do die. Like I'm a rant about, you know, Jack Kirby for 30 seconds for no reason. Like <laughs> looking back, it's, it, it seems so ridiculous, but yeah. Clerks was October 94, but like I yeah. didn't hear about him until like I did university up till 96. And then I had found this new love for film and yeah. I just, and then I got a, I kind of harped and got a job at Blockbuster. Oh, yeah. And I remember those, And those were three and a half fantastic years just for the fact that I was paid to know about movies, right. have an opinion about movies, mm-hmm. and people actually wanted my opinion about movies. It suddenly and, mattered, yeah. Yeah, and then I treated it like, okay, this these are the new releases this week. We're going to sit down, watch them, and like I became a heck of a lot more cultured when it came because then I started like... Um, Lay on the Professional came out while I was oh, yeah. working there, and then all of a sudden I got this huge appreciation for like some of the foreign films and just things like that. And sure. Like, when you're growing up in Melville, you want you're not block- going to be exposed to that. Yeah, very you often. want the one blockbuster that comes through the theater each month, right? And so like I learned so much about that, and then like the Canadian scene kind of became sure. a thing, and then Smith with the twenty thousand dollar movie happened, and then all of a sudden that, and then Mallrats, and just. I, and him being a giant nerd and you gravitate towards this guy because he's a normal dude oh totally yeah I um, think that's half the appeal he does a great cameo in the second Wolf Cop movie the Wolf Cop sequel does he? yeah nice because he was he was in town he was in Moose Jaw scouting locations and they managed to get a hold of him and said hey, would you like to be in our movie for and a he day? seems like a guy that and would he drop said, anything he said absolutely I'll do whatever I want what, what, he said, I'll do whatever you want um third party i heard that from but it, it sounded like a great story and i saw it and he's great in it yeah hams it right up and great improviser yeah i'm kind of sad like really, really good shit anyway good that a lot of the stuff went away like, yeah i remember i was working at um la bodega for a while through my restaurant phase and um we catered to corner gas oh yeah season one though so i didn't know who anybody was sure because they weren't like, famous yet. Like I think was it Lauren Cardinal? Yeah, I would have known from maybe what was he on before North of Sixty? Or? He may have made some appearances on North of Sixty, but I, I recognize think he was him. a regular. Yeah, definitely, so, I definitely knew that face. But yeah. yeah, like so, I'm serving food to all these people. Don't know who Brett Butt is. Don't know who any of them are, and they all go on to become these like Canadian icons. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, here's your gruel, like whatever. And yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Like, oh, Lauren Cardinal, and it's just like, <laughs> and it, hey, there's a famous guy. Yeah, and it's just 
I'm kind of sad because I got to meet a few people. Like I remember when Charlize Theron came through town or, um, Oh yeah. What was the, he was a rugby goon that became an actor. He came through town once too. Oh, um, not Jason Statham. No, the big goon from, uh, Lockstock. Oh, Jimmy. Oh, no, Johnny. What the heck's that guy's name? I know exactly who you're talking about. He was yeah. the juggernaut once he got right. famous. But yeah. Oh, uh, to the tip of my tongue. Shit. Did you hate that? <laughs> um, he, he came in. He came through town doing a movie. Yeah, really. It broke my heart. I was the ups. I once the state was kind of winding down. They only had one bartender for the whole upstairs mm-hmm. around, but it was around the corner. And then the pool tables were off and over, right? Right. And he was playing pool all night long, and and he would send his person to get his stuff. That's and I'm amazing. Like, <laughs> peek around the corner. Oh, I still want to say his name. It's right on the tip of my tongue. That pisses me off. But yeah, I thought his reputation was as like a rugby hooligan, and then. And now I can't remember the director's <laughs> name. But yeah, he brought him on to have like the rugged looking really? guy. Really? That's fantastic. There were some great people that came through here. Like Lockstock. Then he had Snatch. Snatch. And... Are you talking about the director? Yeah. Um, but yeah. He, but he used Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie, right. And he used Vinnie the, Jones. Vinnie Jones. Thank God. Now I can sleep tonight. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, like... Vinnie Jones was super close to me. Couldn't get over and say hi. Charlize Theron came yeah. through like the ups and downs of being the bartender. <laughs> Tough life. But uh, yeah, I kind of miss those days around here. So, Oh, me too. Yeah, I watched a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people leave town when that industry collapsed. But I remember it yeah. may come back one day. Who knows? Yeah, it's just, it just was a very cool time too. Like, and that's why I love seeing like Wolf Cop be a thing and yeah like what yeah. was the wrestling movie um i can't remember the name uh i can't remember the name of it but uh but a lot yeah i know a lot of people that, that did work on that and had fun with it i know it was a pretty tough a tough gig to work on for some people they they worked some really crazy hours yeah um, and, and that's like, not really the way it should be in a yeah. professional environment but it was one of the only things going at that time. So a lot of my wrestler friends were involved with yeah, it too. Sure. Hey, and like, and then Mick Foley came through. Oh, and did like, he? Yeah, and he had a scene in it because then I saw a picture of Dolby like goofing yeah, around yeah. wrestling around with Mick Foley, and it's like I was gonna go because they have yeah. like the hey, anyone want to come fill the, the op- stadium? Yeah, the open casting call. Yeah, but then it's like we need to film this scene at three a.m. and I'm yeah, like, oh, they were shooting shit. in the middle of the night, and they were shooting like all night. Like I, yeah. I heard they were going like twenty hours. You know. That's Which crazy. is definitely a non-union shoot. You can't do that on a union <laughs> yeah, shoot. Yeah, fair enough. But it's what you have to do. When there's nothing else, absolutely. But 10 years ago, that wouldn't have flown at all. Yeah, you know, and it's the cool. standards are too high. Yeah, and the one girl who wrestled in it, um, Chelsea Green, she was a wrestler out of BC, and she came through and did like the Regina Loop once and oh, whatever. Yeah. She had just graduated from like Lance Storm's Wrestling Academy. And um, I, she's been working hard and everything. Now she's like the tna women's world champion is she really yeah and it's super cool to see somebody that was like indie wrestling and then watch them do their climb and yeah and and do the movie and all that and all of a sudden it's just like this wave of success do you wrestle anymore do you do that anymore what happened there oh that would be a podcast of its own oh yeah um that was one of the weirdest experiences of my life and i have so many friends from it now but i don't know what made me do it at 37 which was the ultimate downfall like yeah. i don't think we hung out enough at luther for you to catch on to how absolutely accident prone i was right i know you hurt your knee wasn't it yeah yeah i've had full knee surgery oh that bad 20 years ago 
And oh. so, like, I it was full like ACL, MCL, cartilage, meniscus, toast. Um, and the doctor was like, "You might be able to do a light game of tennis once in a while." <laughs> and this was to twenty. 97 so 23 year old me 24 year old me and so like i kind of laid off the sports for a long time or like would half ass it right because i'm like i can't blow my knee out anymore because when i did it i was working at blockbuster and um i had to drop everything move back in with my parents which is tremendously humbling oh sure drop everything and whatever and it's like completely rehab a knee and go through it and then it was weird i was like wrestling kind of fell off my radar for a long time after like the boom like the stone cold steve austin the rock and right that stuff yeah. the boom happened and like my interest waned a little bit in the late 2000s when the guys i like kind of went away moved on or went did away their movies and, and they went into the whole like kind of more pg direction like john cena has been going for what 15 years he's 40 now and i remember him coming in and like right when he came in is right when i dwindled away but um then I found out there was a local company, and after all, is that the years, high impact? Yeah, yeah. And um, I went with some friends and checked it out. It was one of my friends who cooked at BP's, and he ended up being really good friends with the guy who was kind of like the main guy at the time, the main babyface. The mm-hmm. um, you're down with all the terms and everything, like I I know. Yeah, there's heel and uh, yeah. And it's just what's the opposite of heel? It's there's babyface and heel. Babyface and heel. Okay. It's just. And that was also a thing that kind of ruined it for me is they kind of unveiled it and showed the wizard behind the curtain. And you didn't like it? No. Like, it was less interesting. Yeah. 10-year-old Paul crying when Hulk Hogan lost for the first time is a completely different story now than like, oh, everyone knows it's scripted. But yeah. I went to the local one and I met the guy and we were hanging out one day watching a pay-per-view and I just was like, could I ever just kind of like go in the ring and check it out and see what it's like? And he pulled the old like 70s, 80s answer of like, no, you're a wrestler. If you're not a wrestler, you don't go near it. And that, I don't know why, but that offended me. <laughs> and so 37 year old. I love this. It should, I should be. Yeah. Allowed. I just, cause yeah, some videos they like show fans getting body slammed and like, oh my it's God. like full inclusion now. Right. Like even people that aren't trained to know how to fall. Yeah. Like they're that dirty. And so, yeah, like, at least this guy, and I appreciate it to this day, like, he still had that veil of, like, we're over here, you're a fan. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it offended me, but I went home, I looked it up, I phoned the promoter, and I was like, I want to trade. And, yeah. and you were 37 at the time. Yeah. yeah. And so I went through the training. Um, I was... I don't know why I was rambunctious and like I did soft tissue damage to my lower back because you're throwing yourself at the ground, which your body tightens up and curls up. You don't want to fall backwards. Right. Mm-hmm. And now the whole practice, like hour after hour, it's just you gotta landing go backwards, landing backwards, right. Going loose. And I kept landing on my tailbone and it, and I didn't want to look like a pussy for lesser terms. So of it you were I'm here with all these wrestlers. It. So I sucked it up and then my lower back became this bubble with fluid in it and I kept toughing it out and then like the ropes on TV are ropes the ropes with independent guys are like the equivalent of elevator cables and so like I burst every blood vessel along my back oh my god and like it's not pretty like and the owner I this is the first 20 minutes yeah and the owner ended up being really good friends with the guys who own comic readers right and so like he's old school like 70s and 80s wrestling love 
And so, like, I got along with them in an instant. And so, like, I felt this kind of kinship. I was on page with whatever. And so, yeah, like, I stuck it out. And I would go to physio and get my back looked at. And, like, I worked that out. And then, like, I tore my pec at one point. Because, like, I was a near 40. You would have bounced back much quicker if you were 20. Exactly. But it's like, they're like, okay, body slam practice. I'm like, I can't lift a 200-pound man over my (laughs) head. But you don't want to look like an asshole. So it's like... I pushed myself through so much, but then at the time, my ex-wife said when I came home, I had like the biggest smile on my face after getting the shit beat out of me for 90 minutes was, twice yeah. a week. So that part was worth it. To be part of the boys was really worth it. But your body couldn't take it. No. And um, what sucked for me was the company got sold partway through my training, and um, the new owner and the one, the head trainer, because um, originally with the old owner we'd sit down after everyone left and we would just shoot the shit for two hours after practice ended right and he's like where do you see your character what do you want to be and i was like that's really cool and i'm like here's my influences from growing up they're not the standard influences of a lot of people right Mm -hmm. and so like i was trying he we were working through what i could do as a character and like all that stuff and when the new guy took over he was like we want you to put a bag over your head and be this horrible monster (laughs) And right away, I'm like, well, I'm a dad and would like my kid to cheer for me. I don't say these things out loud. I'm like, all right. But they could tell I was pissed, right? You didn't want to be the heel. No. And it's just like, and part of my stubbornness is I believe I have a decent amount of charisma. And so all of a sudden they wanted like, like those old school burlap sacks over my head, the eye cut out. They wanted like. Could have been anybody. What were those horrible Rob Zombie movies where it was like the inbred monster hillbillies? Right. They were dead set on having a a heel faction of these like faction, like several of them. Yeah, yeah. And like the other trainees are like, "Fuck yeah, I'm on board." And I was, and they wanted me to be the ringleader. It's indie wrestling, so like when you watch Vince McMahon wrestling, they're all six foot four and two hundred forty pounds. Indie wrestling, your guys are gonna all gonna be around five seven to five ten and a buck fifty. But like Mm -hmm. the biggest guys are gonna maybe crack two hundred. So I was big, and they like that. But they wanted, like, did you watch in the, 80, like, 90s? Do you know who Kane was? I remember Kane, yeah. It, they, or Undertaker, even. They wanted Undertaker. me to be the guy that gets knocked down, sits up like Jason or yeah. Jason Voorhees, and just keeps coming forward, never says a word. And I was, like, offended. At the time, I was offended by this because I was originally... Looking back, do you feel like you should have been offended? Or, <sighs> or, or, or would you, like, sunk your teeth into that? I should have sucked it up and did a run. Yeah. I regret it, but my body's probably even in worse shape now. I'm 43, yeah. so it's been five years. Um, but yeah, like long story short, um, they knew I didn't like that. They're like, okay, we'll give you a speaking role, <laughs> for better term. And they came up with this horribly corrupt Catholic priest. Oh my God. And like, That's so loaded. But... It would give me a chance because then I would be able to think of promos and how to get under people's skin, like call them heathens. Like I get how that's a vile character and like would be hated. But once again, what? Like I get that the big guy is the bully, right? And I didn't wrap my head around that time. I'm like, I wanted to be something my son could look up to. And it just, it wasn't in the cards. You can't have it all, man. No. And so then this corrupt priest thing comes up, right? And I'm just like... Okay, no, I'll be the hillbilly. (laughs) Yeah. And it's too late for... Like, I've already turned the corner and said, fuck hillbilly town. And so, like, now I'm in this place where they're like, Kate, we got to get... So, like, I went online and I found, like, where legit priests order their collars. 
Really? I own a legit Catholic priest collar upstairs somewhere. Oh right? my god. And it came down and they created a subdivision of the company that was going to be like cheaper shows where you watch the new guys kind of work out yeah, their yeah, stuff, yeah. right? Like the That's farm team almost. This the wild oh. side. Um and uh they were gonna, it was going to be like a little more like kind of like how ECW was that fringe group yeah, in the I remember 90s. ECW, yeah. That was their kind of like it's the newer guys, they're not too polished or whatever, and I was going to be this evil preacher. <laughs> and then it's like I just like it was literally the week leading up to it. I messaged the owner and I'm like, I cannot do this. You know, looking back, I mean, it's too late now, but you could have done it if you you if you played it up like a Catholic priest right away. It goes into like oh, pedophile. But if and you, that's they wanted me like ass grabbing guys. Oh, when so I'm they wanted to up. they wanted to go with that. Oh, oh never mind. Like I thought they balls were like, deep. Creepy. I thought I thought if they left it open to your interpretation, you could have done what is that Robert Mitchum movie Night of the Hunter where he plays what. He claims to be a preacher, but I think he's faking it. But he's got, <laughs> he's got like, what is it, love and hate written on his fingers. Yeah. And he's like, oh, did you want to hear the story about the two hands? The one says this and this says that. It's a very surrealist kind of dark horror movie. But he's he's this priest and he's the bad guy and he's terrifying. But you don't get that sort of, as you watch it, like it's from the, I think about 1961 or something, maybe, maybe late 50s. You don't get that sort of pedophilia feeling from it, even though he's out to kill these two kids. You just get that he's this dark monster. So I think you could still turn that character around and, and do something similar to that. But maybe nowadays it's just too loaded. and, and Especially if they, they're encouraging you to be gross. Yeah. And it's like... Then you're hooped. Every year they have their version of the Royal Rumble where there's 30 guys and like one after another, every two minutes one guy comes in and then it's Battle Royal rules. You go over the top rope. Right, right. I Battle went, Royal. During my stupid pouting of being the preacher... I started going to less trainings, and I compl—I've never told the story before. Um, I don't know why you became an tur- you became an elapsed preacher. Um, I don't know why this turned around in interviewing me. But I know. <laughs> Tell me more. It's therapy. How did you feel about being asked to grab men's bums? <laughs> Not great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and it's just like, and so I stopped going to less. I started going to way less practices. My heart yeah. wasn't in it. They were building up to this rumble where everybody debuts and then i would have so it was just still like i they put me in this like newbie singlet that you would wear for like junior high wrestling class and i had i borrowed somebody's boots because i didn't have any stuff yet and they sent me out there and you get your five minutes of like this yeah, is yeah how you work in front of a crowd and like you're the new guy so they're all booing you and it was really cool being like you're under the lights you're doing your thing um you're calling spots like it's really cool because it's almost like a script in the back. It's like you come in number four. Yeah. Bob the Bruiser is going to throw you out right after number 13 comes in. So you got to keep things these things in your mind. You got to kind of like work around the main guys that are in there. And like, but you still want to kind of like polish yourself up and show what you can do. Right. And so I went in there and was fiddling around or whatever. And like the main trainer guy kind of grabbed me and he's like, you're looking stupid. And, and that's the cool part is like the ability to hide talking from the fans. Oh, because you're talking to each other on yeah. Because you're, it's so funny. Because it's, it's like, gotta be like a ventriloquist it's, a little it, bit. It's 15 feet, but you're still like talking loud enough that you hear each other. Like, okay, I'm gonna throw you off the ropes. You drop down, then I'll do like, and just on the cuff, like yeah. throwing these things out there. And, th- and it's so, improvised. Hey? Yeah, and it's that part is kind of like a beautiful like how dancing is right, and that's the part I enjoyed about wrestling was like 
in the old days, the bad guys and the good guys were in separate locker rooms. You were told who was going to win and you went out there and made it up on the fly. And so I went out there and I looked like shit because I was skipping training then. And I was doing like over-exaggerated flailing that looked horrible. My friend has videotaped (laughs) it. It's on YouTube. Do not look it up. You're going to make a gif out of it. And so it comes for my time and like the guy who's going to win it comes up because he's the one who throws me out and he's like okay time to go kind of gives me the tap and he like and it's awesome like you watch the video you don't see any and I feel like there were conversations going on but nobody sees it they just see the action or whatever right and he goes to throw me over the top and I put both legs straight out and broke my leg oh damn and that was the end of my wrestling career so people watched you get your leg broke um, broken. Yeah. Broken. They never knew. Well, they didn't know it at the time. It wasn't like like the crack heard around the world. The tibia is the big one at the bottom, right? So like when so, yeah. my leg was out straight, whatever the upper bone is, cracked straight down. Oh, I can't even handle hearing that. And just the thought but of it alone. It was just it cracked it perfectly down the middle and just oh. a little distance. So oh, like, okay. it's so not like it wasn't like a sticking out of the so it's not one of these like horrible youtube video-esque things where a guy has like a leg with the bone watch this clip of this guy there would have been your youtube it wasn't the austin powers where like will ferrell's like it's starting to smell like almonds (laughs) like it wasn't one of those so like it's very hot down here but like also when i flipped over i hit that small my back part on the ring apron so i'm like oh fuck like i it does hurt to a point like it actually does hurt i don't think people wrap their heads around how much it sucks <laughs> and people do I can do wrap it. my head around it. And so I started going to the back and like my ex-wife is there watching and like I'd like to think I did a good job of like faking what was hurt, but then when I hit the ramp to go up to the back and it just it felt like did I had you, Did you just go down? Like No, it felt like it hurt like when I blew my knee out. It felt like the tendons were yeah, wonky, yeah. but it was actually the bone was broken. And so when I went to go up the ramp, my leg wouldn't take me, so I just like hobbled to the back. I didn't want to bitch. I didn't want to look. Jeez. And this is just my 1980s wrestling mentality. And it's like, do you have I, a problem communicating? <laughs> I am divorced. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. And I went to the itself. back and it took me the rest of the event to change. But during that same event, another guy got dropped on his head and they had to come get the ambulance. So oh. I didn't want to be like, hey, I think my By legs the way, are over here. Me too. When there's a guy that got dropped on his head and is laying on the back. Uh, oh, that's on very the big of you. Yeah. <laughs> steal his thunder. And so, yeah. Well, think about it. If you'd taken the ambulance, there would have been no ambulance for him when he broke his head. So Yeah. <laughs> Here's looking out for others. <laughs> and yeah, it was just like, so, and it was funny because like a lot of the wives send the owner's wife to the back to be like, you really okay? Thumbs up. And they go back out and they're like, it's Bob. He's It's part of the job or whatever. Like, because the one time she came back and she's and she's like, because the one guy looked like he was really hurt. And he's like, oh, no, I'm fine. He's changing, cleaning up, getting ready to leave or whatever. It's just you are really good at your acting skills, mm-hmm. right? And it's so funny because now after the fact, she came back and she's like, your wife wants to know if you're all right. And I was like, oh, yeah, fine. <laughs> she went back out to the audience and she's like. He's not fine. Yeah, you can just you can just tell. And I'm sure she hates it. having that conversation because now she actually had to deliver bad news. So then they were tearing down the ring. I'm like, sorry guys, I can't even help. It really hurts. Walk out the front door. 
wife's waiting there and she's like we're taking you to the hospital wow and so yeah and then so i got there and i was already in the waiting area because they were still trying to figure out how to move the other guy right that hurt his neck Mm -hmm. and so like i'm i like an idiot i walk in the waiting room i'm like my leg really hurts they're like where's the pain level at and i'm like nine out of ten they're like have a seat (laughs) stupid answer and yeah and then they like wheeled my friend past me because he was actually super hurt right like it ended up being like one of those shock stingers where like everything goes numb and then you're fine later but scary but at first you don't know yeah and so yeah i went in there and explained it and they're like oh yeah your leg's broken and our next day was our summer vacation as a family ah timing so yeah it was a very up and down experience and that was the end of it though you didn't Um, didn't do anything more after that because i thought i I thought i recall facebook you talking about like healing and retraining and getting back into it like i did and i tried and they just kept on the preacher avenue and so i was like i'm not going to push myself and hurt myself again right what about can i be wounded old guy (laughs) that sometimes has it in him to like kick some ass but mostly would rather not I should have filled out on the application wants to be a manager, manager. wants to be a ref. That would have been great. And well, I'm bigger you, than everybody. I didn't think the ref would well, you work. Just, yeah, you don't think. Yeah, you just don't think those those parts are yeah, parts like, that you could do. No, and ref would have been fun, but I'm also bigger than. So it would have looked wonky. Yeah, like yeah. how? Because you know, there's always those spots where, like, oops, we accidentally hit the ref. He's down. He's like, oh. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't think at six foot three, two hundred twenty pounds, that that looks right. No. But yeah, like, and then two years after the fact, I approached the owner and I was like, I would like to try it again. I would like to do it right, Mm -hmm. not hurt myself and just have like a happy moment going out of it. And so two years to pretty much to the day, same event. I went and did it again. I took pride in it. I dressed up as the preacher. I slicked my hair back. I got it. I went to the hair guy and he like gave me the creepy southern shaved in the sides, slicked back. Oh, yeah. And I put on my preacher outfit and I taped up my hands to look like you said like that character. Yeah. To look more like like that's not really a preacher. And I went out and I did it and I got my five minutes in and went it was funny because the guy that was supposed to throw me out during some impromptu thing fell out. Oh no. Yeah. And so I just I walked up to the guy who was supposed to be the champ soon. And I leaned over him. And once again, both videos are on YouTube. It's hilarious. You can see me lean over him and there's panic on my face. I'm like, he was supposed to throw me out. (laughs) So he, and he was resting in the corner because he was. Dory has taken a turn. Yeah. And so it's funny. He gets up and hits me on the head a few times. Yeah. Throws me over. I tumble over so cautiously and stop at the apron and then kind of roll onto the floor. (laughs) Get up, go to the back. I'm happy. I'm done. It's like stampede wrestling. And that's what I loved. Oh, yeah. I used to watch that back in the day. WWF. I remember going to Saskatoon to see Andre the Giant fight Hacksaw Jim Duggan and I think Ravishing Rick Rude and Jake see, the and Snake. I still, and what sucks is the American version of their network mm-hmm. is like Netflix. The Canadian version is a channel where they pick what you watch. Oh, Gross. And you just buy it on access, and it's like, oh, yeah, now yeah. on the network we're showing this pay per view, but the American one and 
don't listen. I, <laughs> I have it. Right. And so like when I'm on a whim, like I had a friend come over from work, he's from Nigeria yep. and we have clicked so hard because he's a huge wrestling fan. Right. And he came over to borrow some of my comic books and I had WrestleMania four on it's WrestleMania four. I remember that the tournament that Savage wins. Right. Yep. And he comes in and just stops everything. And we just stop and watch wrestling for a while. That was the big one. That was the one that was really advertised because yeah. I'd never even heard of WrestleMania one, two, and three. Yeah, the president of the United was... States hosted it. <laughs> Did he really? Uh, four and five were Trump Plaza. Oh, for fuck's sake! And he looks like a normal. Is this the real world? Like really? Like yeah. And that's ten the... years ago, if you said, "Here's what it's going to be," you would have said, "Fuck that! That's not true." No, there's no way you're making that up. And he still gets elected after saying, "Grab him by the pussy." You watch, he'll win in 2020. Hmm? You watch. He will, if he's not already impeached because of Mueller, he'll be, I think impeaching he'll is win. talk. Oh, that, I once again, and this is just, I'm not 100% educated on their system. I think if it's not Bernie, they're going to revolt again. Bernie's but too old. That's the argument. It's like, is he 80? He's got to be pushing 80. Because Trump's I think 70. Trump's, yeah, Trump's the same age as my dad. He's 72. Yeah, so like... So he's even older than Reagan was. Like, he's the oldest president ever, which is Reagan amazing. looked more decrepit, though. At the he end, did. around 88, yeah. right before Bush came in. But, but back then, well, I mean, what can, you, what can you say? And he had Alzheimer's, but... I'm also dumbfounded that it's been 30 years that the wall came down. I know, right? Oh, don't even get me started on the passage of time. Yeah. Like I realize yeah. I remember when I asked yeah, yeah. you to come and you're like, I can come bitch about being old all you want. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so weird because they realize that like, this is a boring topic no one wants to hear. But it's like I, I always like I look back and I like right now I'm I'm big into watching um uh, uh I'm big into watching breaking news, like old breaking news. Like they'll find like you can watch not that anyone would want to relive this, but I, I love listening to stories unfold. So I'll listen to uh news reports of say like 9-11 for instance or even going way back like i'm a huge kennedy assassination nerd so i'll listen to like they found radio air checks where you can listen to like you know three hours of it unfolding like it's live so you can hear how the story unfolded and where mistakes were made and where they were corrected and how some people got the wrong end of the stick vis-a-vis conspiracy yeah. theories etc cetera, etc cetera. anyway so i'm currently going through a bunch of 9-11 stuff i'm thinking okay 9-11 was that's 16 years ago Holy shit. It's like, that just seems like a little while ago for me. Cause that's like right after I moved to Toronto that it happened. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem that long ago to me. But then you think 16 years before that was 1980s, 1985. Like, and to me, 1985 <laughs> to 2001 was a freaking eternity. You know what I mean? But it's the same from now to 2001, 16 yeah. years, 16 years before that. 1985 is like, oh my God, that's how much time has passed. <laughs> 1985 to 2001. My, so I, anyway, yeah. I, my, just to finish the thought, that's the mindfuck I put myself through all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't want to hear that people voting next American election weren't alive for 9-11? I know. I know. I know. The, be- the best line I've heard in the last that's while so describing trippy. our generation is that we still think the 90s was 10 years ago. I know. It was, yeah. That's what's insane to me. Like, to I, I, no, I, I do this improv thing. Like, I'm, I'm involved with Hitchhiker's Improv, and I'm having a great time. And there's this one kid 
I say kid, he's a grown man. He looks at me and goes, hey, Trev, what uh, what year did you graduate high school? I went, 1992. That's the year I was born. I almost got up and left. I was just like, you're kidding me. Like, I started... Like, I started doing improv in 2001 when I first moved to Toronto. I joined Second City. I took the classes there. And then I just sort of got too busy with work and I couldn't keep up with it. And I let, and they let the years go by. And I decided, now that I'm back here, i got to get back into improv. Forgetting that so much time has elapsed that the kids that are doing improv now and teaching it, and they've been doing it for, you know, 10 years, like since they were in junior high. Mm-hmm. But they're still young enough to be my kids. Yeah. So that when I started doing improv, they weren't, it wasn't even like a thought in their mind, but now they're teaching me. It's just like, I'm not saying that's not right, right. But it's just so weird that I, you just, you'd, you'd lose track of how quickly time goes by and time elapses. So it's weird being the old guy. Yeah. I'm like, I do payroll for the government. I'm hiring summer students that are like, yeah, like it's 16, 17 year olds and their birthdays are like my kid's 10, your kid's eight. Like it's no, just, I know. It's, it's that 2000 to 2010 gap that our generation blocks out and we're like oh the 90s that was. Like, oh yeah 10 years ago that would have been like what 95 96 it's like yeah. no that's 22 years ago but also I think like 9-11 and sadly I think the OJ thing are those defining moments in yeah, our head they're for benchmarks like, like yeah. there was the Kennedy assassination for, for that for, generation yeah for older generations um, another one but it's barely on my radar was the space shuttle Challenger, I remember Challenger. that. Yeah. I kind of, but it wasn't one of those like stop everything moments because I was in school and they're like, oh crap, we kind of watched it on TV. It happened over the lunch hour. Yeah. Yeah. I remember and that. We went back to class, but like, yeah, like the OJ thing, it seemed because I was an adult, so we all dropped everything and mm-hmm. watched this truck. I used to go over to my girlfriend's. Oh, yeah, that. I used to go to my girlfriend's place to watch the the trial because they had cable. We could watch it on CNN. But before that, yeah, the pre- just, previous summer with the chase. What was it? A white bronco? The white or, bronco. Yeah, yeah. And him just, and his buddy. He was yeah. trying to. He was yeah. And just the, the slow car slow, chase. Because yeah. that happened. I was. I worked at a golf course out at uh, Madge Lake, and I remember closing up for the night. And remember that they had said that there was a warrant out for OJ Simpson. I was like, holy shit! And said, so I drive back home. And my parent, and that's when the Bronco chase started. Yeah. So my parents were like, "You got to see this shit. This is crazy." I was like, "Wow." But yeah, that's kind of like every generation has the "Where were you?" Yeah. And the OJ one was one, For and then nine eleven. Like later, I woke yeah. up, my roommate was like, because yeah. I was bartending the night before, so it's like wake up, and I think they happened around eleven or lunch or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, "You have to get in here and see this," and that was the entire day. And I remember where I was throughout that entire day, and it feels like yesterday. Donald Trump is my son's first white president because he was born during the Obama administration. <laughs> Look at you bringing the mood down. I know. <laughs> That's what I do. I'm here all week. <laughs> I'll get the cat to throw you out. Um, that was awesome. Let's wrap thanks, up man. there. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for I having me. Have absolutely loved catching up with you. Yeah. And Likewise. We'll do it again. We'll do one, and I'll just bitch about the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, I feel like my it's wrestling story it's took up three one. quarters of this. <laughs> well, my, my JFK rant will take at least three hours. So. <laughs> oh, I'm going to write that in with pen. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, man.